Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. When I think about what happened that night, it breaks my heart to think about Dylan looking up at his dad knowing he's the killer. He is my killer. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. And I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. A Minnesota man answers to murder charges in the 2010 killing of his wife, Heidi Furcus. The family of Heidi Furcus packed the courtroom for this morning's hearing, coming face to face with the man they believe killed their daughter, as he told a judge he didn't do it. And in Colorado, convicted killer Mark Redwine was sentenced for the murder of his 13-year-old son. The community needs to be uh, protected from you. You need to be removed from society for a long period of time. Will, before we get into our first story on this Friday episode, I wanted to share a quick update on the Deidre Reed case that we covered earlier this week. Reed is the mother from Pageland, South Carolina, who's been missing for over a month now after leaving to take the father of her son, a man named Emmanuel Bedford, to a Greyhound station. As of when we ran the episode, Emmanuel Bedford had been named as a person of interest in the case. But the update is that Bedford is now arrested on related charges. Here's the latest from our partner station, WLTX, in Columbia, South Carolina. Today we learned Bedford was arrested in Georgia on charges connected to Deidre's disappearance. Indira Esquiva talked with her family about this latest development. Jamie Avery is not giving up hope on finding her sister, Deidre Reed. She's just the best sister. She loved everybody. She brought everybody together. Deidre is also a mom to three children. Police have now charged Emmanuel Bedford, who's the father of Deidre's seven-year-old son, with grand larceny and obstructing justice in connection to her case. He was booked at the Burke County Jail in Georgia on Monday and will soon be extradited to South Carolina. We do know he was the last person to see her and he has all the answers that we need. So the fact that they got him gives us you know, hope that he will give something. Now, Will, let's move on to another story that's been in the news that you've been looking into. A Minnesota man named Nicholas or Nick Fergus appeared in court this week. This comes after he was arrested and charged earlier this year with first and second degree murder in connection to the 2010 killing of his wife, Heidi Fergus in St. Paul. Before we get to what happened in that courtroom this week, let's jump back to April of 2010. What do we know about what happened and what did Nick Ferkus tell investigators about the events of that day? Here's what we know about that day and that morning, actually. It was 6.32 a.m. on Sunday, April 25th, 2010, when a 911 call came in and Heidi Ferkus was on the line. She said someone was trying to break into their home. This was on Minnehaha Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. 38 seconds later, a gunshot is heard on this 911 call. Uh, and then the call went dead. One minute later, another 911 call, and this time it was Nick Fergus, and he said he had been shot in the leg with his own shotgun. Police arrive at the house, and according to to police investigation and records, he told investigators back then that an intruder broke into their house, 
Nicholas struggled with him. He was holding uh, his own gun. The gun went off, killing Heidi. It was a shotgun wound to the back. And according to Nicholas, again, the, the gun was fired during a struggle. And, and in fact, he was hit in the leg. At the time, he gave very little information to police about what the intruder looked like. Now, here's what happened next in this story. Uh, a, a few weeks later, Nicholas Ferkus actually got a, a private sketch artist to draw up a composite uh, of an individual who he claimed uh, at the time looked like the intruder. Uh, he, he handed this over to police. It turns out that this sketch looked very similar to a known St. Paul burglar at that time. Now, this was a man who was already in jail. Uh, he could not have done it. But the photo looked remarkably similar to this individual. His name is Michael Pye. According to St. Paul police, Nicholas could have seen this photo in the newspaper uh, and then provided uh, you know, this description and then this sketch of a, of a black man in a hoodie. Michael Pye had been in the news for a series of break-ins, uh, and these were similar situations. They were break-ins that happened in the morning with the homeowners at home. Uh, but Michael Pye, you know, heard about all this. He saw uh, this sketch, this image of him. He was in jail. They showed me the picture and I said, that's me. Michael Pye actually spoke with Carol Evans' Lou Raguse uh, about this this whole turn of events and, and this sketch that came out uh, of a man looking a, a lot like him. Do you think Nick Ferkus tried to frame you? Yeah, without a doubt. What's your biggest fear of what could have happened if you didn't happen to be locked up at that time? If I wouldn't have been locked up, I would have had a murder case. I would have had a murder case, even though I never shot nobody, period. And so it sounds like now, 11 years later, investigators believe that there never was an intruder. So since that time, since 2010, when Heidi Fergus w was killed, there has never been an arrest. There's never been a suspect name. And uh, in fact, police never found any sign really or indication of an intruder in the house that morning. And this was over a decade ago, but then earlier this year, we did see an arrest. How did that come about? Yeah, in May, uh, Nicholas Ferkus, the husband, was arrested. He was charged, and then he posted a $1 million bail. So he has been out on bail since then. Uh, the criminal complaint uh, and, and the reason behind this arrest, or at least what we know about, has led to this arrest, was that police said there was really no sign of a struggle. There was no evidence of another man. Or, or anyone, or evidence that an intruder even fired a shot. Uh, they found on the kitchen table a beer bottle, a water bottle, and a receipt. I'm not sure how that all plays into uh, why they then were led to, to Nicholas. But a, a big part of the investigation was the fact that the FBI stepped in. And then also one St. Paul police sergeant, Nikki Sipes, she actually picked up this case, started looking into it, and uh, she started to uncover uh, a lot of evidence that then helped lead to this arrest. Some things stuck out to her. She turned over some stones and some pebbles and decided to stay with it. So that's why we're here today, because of her tenacity and, and uh, decision-making and excellent investigative intelligence. I think the fact that we had a victim that there had never been any justice for and a family that was left behind to wonder what happened and why they have this loss. And that was what spoke to me about the case. Now, another interesting note about this case uh, Heidi Ferkus was killed the day before the couple was going to be evicted from their home. It was actually foreclosed, and they would have been evicted and locked out of their home. Prosecutors say there's no evidence that Heidi even knew about this going on, that she was shopping with friends the day before, that nothing had been packed up in the house. So they, they truly believe that, that 
Nicholas Ferkus was actually hiding a lot of the financials and, and what was happening uh, in their lives from, from Heidi. Uh, prosecutors, in fact, want to use Nicholas's second wife as a witness to show that he lied and concealed financial problems just like he did with Heidi. So apparently she has information that he was doing a similar thing or similar things in their marriage. Uh, and prosecutors are, are hoping to bring her to the stand. That brings us to this latest news. We mentioned that Nick Ferkus was in court this week. What happened and what's next? Yeah, I mean, it was a quick appearance, but it, it was part of the process. And it was a packed courtroom in St. Paul, Minnesota. Heidi's family was there in attendance. Of course, they've been waiting for, for some answer now, some type of lead, uh, maybe an arrest, which there has now been for you know over a decade. Nicholas Ferkus pled not guilty. Count one. Murder in the first degree is being premeditated, guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. His trial date has now been set for July 6th of 2022. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Reed, back in July, we did an episode on the trial of Mark Redwine in Colorado, a father who was ultimately found guilty of murdering his 13-year-old son, Dylan Redwine, back in 2012. Just last week, we finally reached the sentencing phase of that trial. Can you remind us what charges Redwine was convicted of and what sentencing he was facing? Sure. Redwine was found guilty on two charges. The big one, of course, was murder. It was a second-degree murder charge. But then he was also convicted of child abuse resulting in death. And between the two, he was looking at up to 48 years in prison because it was a second degree murder charge. Capital punishment was off the table in Colorado. And so just last week, what did the judge decide then at, at Red Wine sentencing? He was sentenced to the maximum to 48 years in prison for both the murder conviction and the child abuse resulting in death charge. Those sentences will be served concurrently and he does get credit for time served, which because of all of the delays in this case, that's over four years. So just kind of doing a little math there, that's somewhere around 44 years left on that sentence. The judge said during the hearing that there were some aggravated circumstances, including lack of remorse and refusal to provide information after Dylan went missing in 2012. And he had some pretty harsh words for Red One. First of all, you killed your son, a 13-year-old boy. At 13, he's still a little boy. As a father, it's your obligation to protect your son, to keep him from harm. And instead of that, you inflicted enough injury on him to kill him in your living room. After the passion of whatever caused you to act the way you did subsided, you didn't think about Dylan. You thought about yourself. You sanitized the crime scene. You hid Dylan's body. And you went so far as to remove his head from the rest of his body. There's only one reason to do that, and that's to try uh, and avoid, if any remains are fine, or were ever found, that Dylan would ever be identified. Reed, going back to what the judge actually said about a lack of remorse, I understand he also quoted an actual statement from Mark Redwine himself. 
That's right. During the sentencing hearing, he read from a statement from Mark Redwine that appeared in a pre-sentencing document. And he said Redwine wrote that he was innocent of all charges. And that in that document, Redwine called the proceedings a fake conviction and a sham trial. He also talked about, according to the judge, how he was going to appeal the decision and that he was going to, quote, stand against fake justice and fight for justice for Dylan. And here's what the judge had to say in response to that statement from Mark Redwine. After all this time and listening to what occurred here in this trial, in this courtroom, you still take absolutely no responsibility for what you did to Dylan. I have trouble remembering a convicted criminal defendant that has shown such an utter lack of remorse for his criminal behavior. Reed, back when we covered this trial, we heard a statement from Dylan's mom, and she talked about how it was time to stop talking about Dylan's death and start talking about his life. Did we get a chance to hear from her at this hearing? We did. Dylan's mother, Elaine Hall, was invited by the judge to to say whatever she needed to say. And this is your chance to tell me what you want to tell me. So whenever you're ready. And you think about all that this mother has gone through, not just losing her son, but then years without an arrest, years of court delays, COVID, and now finally seeing Mark Redwine receive the maximum sentence. She got up in front of the courtroom. She said she was a little bit nervous, but then she turned her attention to Mark Redwine and said that that's, that's who her statement was going to be directed toward. This is all directed at Mr. Redwine. As I stand here today, I think about what has transpired in the last nine years and all the heartbreak and unknowing and hope and everything else that we have lived through. And I can't help but go back to one person, and that is Mr. Redwine. We obviously did not see eye to eye on many things, which is obviously why our marriage didn't work. But I never thought that he would take out his frustration that he had with the family on Dylan. She actually said that when she kind of thinks back, what happened has started to make sense to her because in her words, Mark Redwine always picked on the weakest. And then after saying that, she shifted to talking about Dylan and about everything that was not only robbed from her and from the rest of their family, but from Dylan himself. Dylan was 13 years old when he took his life. He had his whole life ahead of him to make major accomplishments, and you know he would have done it and he would have done it well. You robbed him of his youth, you robbed him of what he would have been, and you did all that to put him in the mountains where animals could scavenge his bones. You had no remorse, no regret. You never take accountability for any of your actions. You never have and you never will. So whatever I say at this moment is not gonna resonate. It is going to go in one ear and out the other, just like everything else in this trial. We also heard at this hearing from Dylan's older brother, Corey Redwine. People call forward Corey Redwine. And he talked about what the past nine years have been like for him and for his family and, and how that span of time has really weighed on all of them. The past nine years without Dylan have been nothing short of misery. It's hard for me to speak in front of you today and say I have been victimized when I think of what Dylan went through. The more I think about what has happened, the more I understand how Mark's actions have made me a victim. What did I and Dylan do to deserve this? And Corey ends by talking about how he's going to remember Dylan as not just his younger brother, but as he puts it, his hero. I can't bring Dylan back. I can only remember him. I can't talk to Dylan, so I pray to him. And I can't see Dylan, so I dream of him. 
Mark may have physically taken him, and I can't change that. But what I can do is show the world how a 13-year-old young man stood up to his then 50-year-old father and said all the things I regret never saying. Dylan is my hero and became more of a man in 13 years than Mark has in 60. All right, Reed, a, a really tragic case. Thanks for bringing us this update on the, the sentencing of Mark Redwine. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. As a reminder, we're here every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to or following the show wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for more, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows or just type Vault Studios into your podcast app. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.